Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento, Sacramento, Sacramento. Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode... 30! Holy, amazing. 30. My name's Turner Sparks. I'm Kaplan, and I'm just amazed, because 30, that's, that's, that's getting old. That, we're almost to this my get, age. This shit's getting real. Shit is getting real. 30 weeks. We've been doing this for 30 weeks. You can find me on Twitter at Turner B. Sparks. You can find Kaplan at MIKaplan11. One thing, Kaplan, we want to get you over 200. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm at 194 followers last I checked. This is like a, this is something I cannot, I can't get over this mountain. We want to. I we go wanna... bounce it forth between 189 and 194. These robots or someone or just they drop me, they add me. Yeah, we want to bump you up. Come on, guys, get me over 200. Let's push this. Let's really fight for 200 this fight week. Fight for 200. It's Tell my Kaplan 11. The 11 is for Norm Van Brocklin, the greatest. Some say Donovan McNabb or Randall Cunningham is the best quarterback in Eagles history, Philadelphia Eagles history. Norm Van Brocklin. You know why? Who? Not, no, I've never even heard of him. He led us to the NFL championship in 1960. That's the last time the Eagles have won a championship. Was this back when they had plastic helmets? <laughs> this is, what era this is was back this? when the Eagles could win. This is when we were booing Santa Claus, that era. And it's a great memory of mine I don't have. I'm probably never going to win a Super Bowl. I'm, I'm sure that Teddy will be drinking before the Eagles <laughs> even sniff the Super Bowl again. So I hold on to Norm Van Brocklin. I hold him dear to my heart, and I will... I will never lose the 11 because right. of him. Well, rest in peace, Norm Van rest Brock. In, I don't know if he's dead. <laughs> I don't know. I assume he is. He but was... let's, go, let's focus on the important thing. In honor of Norm Van Brocklin's memory, get yeah. me to 200 followers. Get him Please. to 200 followers. This is embarrassing. On the pod today, this is exciting, Andrew Goldstein. Goldstein. I don't know. We'll ask him about that. We'll ask him. As a Jew, I don't even know the difference. Andrew is a, he's been a writer, a comedy writer for a very long time. He wrote for um, Jimmy Fallon show. He now has his own show on, it, on MTV. He's written on comedy all over the place. He used to write for Patrice O'Neill. We got some fans of Patrice. But 
Beyond all of that, yeah. his first writing job. The most interesting job, to me is his first writing his job. His first writing job was for the WWE, or as I called it, the WWF back in the day. Yeah. He Which wrote, is a written program, apparently. I didn't know this. I but. mean, I'm just finding out that it's not real. Yeah. I'm still. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask about that because I don't really believe that he really wrote for them. I don't believe that it's not real. Well, I want to know what he actually wrote. Like, what did you write the fight? You're like, hey, punch that guy now, or what? <laughs> yeah, you know I, what I mean? Yeah. Do you write the like or I the mean, parts where they go, ooh, brother, or the yeah, or the speeches that like when they like would 20, yell at Mean Gene, Oakland. Like, yeah, uh, I'll uh, tell you something, Mean Gene. Uh, well, uh, those 24 inch pythons want to run wild on you. Yeah. And do they write like the? We take the chair and you hit him. Or do you do think he to... coined the phrase Hulkamania? Probably. <laughs> he's probably like a he's a prodigy writer. That's if he did that. But so, and you know, Ange was also there um, the day we met Ikram. So and yeah, he was. It, when he's you been guys... a key cog to the pod behind the scenes. This whole exactly. Time. I watched WrestleMania at his house, which we'll talk about later. But I watched that at his house a couple weeks ago, and it was amazing. Because all of his friends who were there watching, all they all used to work for WWE, mm-hmm. so it was like an insider's. They... So he's coming up. Um, before all that. Oh, let's get to Lost in America. Should we do that? Yeah, we should get to it. All right. Wait, one more thing. I want to promote my shows coming up. Yeah, you should promote um, them. Fairfield Comedy Club with Joe Garrix from The Drinking Pod. If you haven't listened to The Drinking Pod, go to, back and do that. That's one of our best podcasts I think we've done in a long time. You agree, Cap? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was junk for a lot of it, so I don't remember too well, but I think it, it, I've heard it was funny. Can I also, one thing from that? Because I didn't realize until after that, I forgot that I had a show to go to that night. Yes. And so we did all that drinking. We drank all that Chinese alcohol. And then I had to go straight to a show, did a set, bang. It's the best set I've had in New York City. Because I've heard all, some comics say never be drunk. Well, that's what I used to say. Yeah, maybe you were the one. But then that. I had this fantastic set. So now do you just drink for every show? No, but I mean, if my career ever goes downhill, I might have to become an alcoholic just to save my career. Yeah, it's, it's, it, people like that. If you have a, it adds something when you're on stage and you have a, it's like a prop. Yeah, like, so uh, you're a drinker. So anyway, so, you know, I'm gonna be at the Fairfield Comedy Club May 13th. Bring buys you up there. Get out there May 23rd. I'm in we're Mill Valley, California, at the Throckmorton Theater. That's the theater where it's uh, um, a real place, Mill Valley. Mill Valley it sounds is like a this, fake town in like a movie. Like it basically is a movie town. It's like this rich neighborhood right outside of San, north of San Francisco, over the Golden Gate Bridge. Okay, you know. Oh, and then also uh, the twenty fourth, I'm going to be at the Punchline Comedy Club. Twenty fourth of May. May, let's sell that out, baby. Sacramento, California. Homecoming, coming Sac- home. Play Sac- the music. Town. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to Lost in America. Yeah, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. Exciting announcement. Our Lost in America segment this week has a sponsor. Oh, yeah? Getting paid and getting laid, baby. Should I check my banking account, see if I got some money out of this? Uh, Did it go through yet? I don't know if it's going to go through to you. Oh, shit. They may just be sponsoring (laughs) me. Uh, God damn it. Well, they sponsor whoever reads the plug, and I'm the one who have it here. Uh, I don't so. have my phone well, out. Don't worry, so I'll, 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 some, there'll be some trickle-down economics on All the right, spot. I like it. I'll get you a, a coffee or something later. <laughs> so, um, okay, so here's what we're sponsored by today. Meltdown Golf. It is a board game created by a listener, Bryce Roberts, good friend Shout of mine. Out. Bryce used to work with me at Mr. Softy. He was in the trenches over there in China. He now lives back in America, and he creates board games. So you can go check it out. On Kickstarter, he's kickstarting. He's is he the board game been created, or he's Kickstarter to make the board game? Will you kickstart a board? I don't know. You kickstart a board game. Kick- <laughs> Kickstarter is like raising money. 
Yeah. Well, no. You, I don't, you maybe you create one, and then if you want to get more made, you got to have oh, money. Oh, so he's got the prototype up there? He's got the prototype. He, this is what he says. He says, what happens, imagine if L.A. fell into an abyss, like <laughs> Kurt Russell, whatever that movie is. Who would take over? Would it be the pop stars? Would it be politicians? Would it be Tom Cruise movies? You don't know. So it's this board game. You roll the dice. Who, you figure it out. Everybody fights each it, other. Wow. That's a... Wait, <laughs> you just fight each other? Who takes over L.A.? Who wants to take over L.A.? I just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> go somewhere good, else. That's a good point. I don't point. need to stay in L.A. L.A. is going to fall into the ocean one way or the other, yeah, right? go up to Sacktown. That's true. We should... Or oh. Go, go back to Mexico. What? I, I don't... I go, yeah, this game should really be designed in, for Sacktown. How much money has he raised? Kevin Johnson versus yeah. Olden Polonies. Yeah. Versus <laughs> Mayor. How much money has he raised? I'm not sure, but he says if you put in oh. $1 now, always $1, uh-huh. you can take your dollar out at any time, but it helps him out a lot. I don't know. I don't. How does it take it? Is it a pyramid scheme? What is it? Just quit questioning it. <laughs> Let me read it. Sponsored by, they sponsored oh. our Lost oh, in America. Oh, they sponsored us. Oh, so people are kickstarting are actually paying you. Yes. Because part of that money has to go to sponsor you. Exactly. So kickstart him so he can kick it back to me. Oh, my God. This is really trickle-down economics. And if the, the project stall, stalls out, if they can't reach 25% of their goal, then everyone gets their money back. But if they do reach their goal, you get a bunch of prizes. You get the game. I don't know. You get a discount or something. It's going to be great. I don't want to discourage people from, from giving money to our sponsor. Yeah. But I, this is something that's kind of changed over the years is Kickstarter and GoFundMe. I don't know the difference between the two. But... There's this whole, like, you just, people have business ideas, and instead of getting, like, people to invest in them, yeah. they just get their friends to donate their money, and then they're like, we'll give you, like, a free one. What about a percentage? We want a take of this game. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. We like, want a taste. We want a taste of the little action. How do I get a taste of the downfall of LA? I mean, when Monopoly was invented, I'm sure, like, the people who contributed to park, you know. You're right. They're probably billionaires by now. Yeah. If you contribute here, you get a free free game. <laughs> and you get your money back if you want to get your money back. I don't know. Well, I'm all for the the destruction of Los Angeles. I am too. I no offense that. to our LA listeners, but here's the thing. What I found, most people who live in LA hate LA as much as everyone else too. Yeah, or they like to rip on LA cuz that's like the, the best part about living in LA is that you can rip on LA. Yeah. Like, I was back in LA recently and I found that uh, you know, that I missed that feeling. Yeah, like I felt like, oh, I'm back, and now I can like rip on LA again. Like you can't. Yeah, you, it's it, we're doing it. It's like you're right. It is. This might almost be our lost in America, though, it, which is that <laughs> none of this like, hey, give me money so I can go hang out. Uh, I like. What should we kickstart? We should kickstart our, our podcast. Why do we do that? I mean, you know that people like I know people who do charity events, which are great. They're nice people. They do like races and stuff that I don't do on Kickstarter. I mean, like GoFundMe and Kickstarter stuff, and I'm like. I will never give money to them because you don't get a tax benefit. You don't? Gary Sparks, CPA of the pod, has told me that oh. you only get the tax deduction for charities you give to officials. See, that's why he makes the big bucks. Big yeah. bucks. Because yeah, he says, he advised don't. Me, do not give money. I don't care how, what the sob story is. No. Don't, give, don't waste your hard-earned money on these people who use the Kickstarters. No. For their- or, yeah, that's a loophole out of uh, getting a tax break. Yeah. Give so it that's, to your, that's my little tip to you. You're back in America. Do churches. You get tax breaks for churches, I yeah, think. Yeah, if you yeah. want to go help your bust your priest or pastor get out of uh, prison. Exactly. That's tax deductible. But not if she puts it, get me out of prison on Kickstarter. Yeah, no. All right. Yeah, there's, there's, there's our tax law. There's a, is that our loss in America? <laughs> Did we do a loss in America? Is that that a, was it. We lost enough? Yeah, <laughs> we're lost in this conversation. Lost in, this, lost in this segment. 
All right. Well, should we get to? We have a big, big show today. I don't remember what the show is, but yeah, let's get to no, it. We got Andrew Goldstein. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna forget. Andrew Goldstein. Gonna, I think he should just bust in. We should introduce him. He should just bust in, like the Kool Aid like, Man. Yeah, and just like level me with like a like a clothes on, like, like Brutus the Barber. Yeah, beefcake. and then just start screaming into the mic, like just with a chair <laughs> slamming it <laughs> over. Chair me, yeah, slamming it over. Throw yeah. you into the like. Sp- he should be like a go a jilted GoFundMe person who's like. Upset That's actually like, a good character. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the guy who hates GoFundMe. <laughs> a very modern wrestler. We're going to pitch that to remember. <laughs> Probably will forget, but... All right, everybody. Before we get to that, Ints is an app. You oh, can yeah. get it in the app store. We're Inting all the time. We're I'm Inting. Uh, plugging everything today. From Mexico right now. Yeah. Go find out what I'm up to hanging out with my wife in Mexico. Yeah. And uh, and bring Ints to China one day. And we'll bring Ints to China. We First might be, Mexico, then China. We might be doing that soon. So get it. You can get it in the app store. E-N-S-E. Also... Meltdown Golf, G-U-L-F, is on <laughs> is on Kickstarter. Cap doesn't like I'm going back to that. But I got to I gotta go where my bread's buttered, yeah, too. You got to feed the... You got to get paid. Feed I the beast, you. baby. I'm going to come with my own plugs next week. Bring your own plugs. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be my own sponsors. Competing plugs. Yes. Um, and if you want to sponsor us, if anybody out there wants a little bit of this action, uh, to hit us up on Twitter, yeah. Lost in America Pod. Or and uh, tell us what you want. We'll yeah, be... we're open. We want to make the show. We want to keep the show the same length it always has been, but we want to do less like material. Exactly. So we want to put in a few uh, plugs, and we want to make a couple more Dolores, right? Ants, get it in the app store. E N S E. Up to five minutes. Voice me- voice messages. You guys know what it is. All right, let's get to Ant Goldstein. Get to him. <laughs> Everybody, we're back. We're back with our guest, Andrew Goldstein. Stein? 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 I don't care, but my mom says Stein. I was that's right. I paused. I wasn't sure. Right when I said it, I was but like, Am I saying okay. it wrong? Right. And uh yeah, I'm fired up to have you on the podcast today because I loved wrestling growing up and I watched uh wrestling. I watched WrestleMania at your place a couple weeks ago. We, we, what number WrestleMania is it now? What was we, it? It was WrestleMania 33, I believe. And it was it was thirty three. Yeah, I wasn't sure. And then I was trying to tell Cap about it, but I can't, but it was the coolest like the, one of the coolest experiences I've ever had with wrestling because you and the a couple of the other guys used to write for WWE. Yeah, it was. Uh, there were two me and another guy Darren who wrote for WWE, and then my friend Zach Linder was uh, he wrote on the dot com side, so he wrote like real long feature stories. Uh, you know, he spent a lot of time with the wrestlers, like personally interviewing them. He's yeah. sort of like the uh, the Dick Shap. <laughs> uh, Good Paul. WWE. Just and writing long think pieces. It was Mitch, a, Mitch album so, is wait, probably a better. Mitch album. More like a Mitch album. You oh, okay. He's gonna write the Tuesdays instead with Maury. Instead of Tuesdays with Maury, Tuesdays with Kamala. <laughs> Kamala, the Ugandan giant. There you go. Yeah. So you wrote magazine articles. What do he you, did? Uh, I wrote the TV. What do you so, mean? The yeah, show, that's show, the show's written. No, it's you, real. It's you don't a real know that? athletic yeah, competition. Oh my god! So you, you had to have Santa Claus. But real. that's what I think. I never. I knew it was obviously. You know, it's fake. But you never think that someone actually has to write that. I don't it's think that's scripted. Scripted. Turner, excuse me. Fake. Yeah, what what the age term? did you learn it was scripted? I'm just I'm trying to remember. Oh, I didn't for me, think it was scripted at first for years. I, I think I was probably. I actually remember when it was, when I knew that it was, like, at least fixed. Yeah. I think I learned it was fixed first. Right, that's what I thought. It was, like, fixed a little bit. Yeah, because remember the one when um, uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret the Hitman Hart mm-hmm. kind of tied because they fell out of the yeah. ring at the same time? It's called a draw. A draw. 
except for it actually wasn't. If you watch, they kept showing the replay, and like some one of the guys hit well, the ground yeah. first. They didn't have instant replay boost back then. No, they did. Oh, they kept instant they replaying it. It was, it was in the sixties. I think it was a Royal Rumble, and they were yeah. They were you know uh, they the spot was supposed they were supposed to go over at the same time, and it's a you know the first person who the feet hit the floor. And so it was for both their feet hit the floor at the same time to set up an angle where they have to wrestle each other. Yes, but when you actually watch it, it's pretty impossible to fly out of the ring and make both Pe- of your people feet. People have done hit. it and done it well. And other, the, WWE just did a storyline right before WrestleMania where it didn't work out and they had to like fudge the replays. Well, that's what I felt happened on that one. That but anyway, that was my like wake up. I'd be like, wait, this is not exposed the business to you. Yeah, that, that exposed like it you to and me. The Truman Show. My dad like, took me this? live. I'd, I've been just to, I uh, started in 1986. I found it because my brothers were really into SNL and we turned on SNL one week and it wasn't on and wrestling was on. It was Saturday night's main event. I remember and that. I was just like, oh my God, what is this? Yeah, and uh, then I started watching it on Saturday morning. So that's around 1986, and um, so I've been watching since then. And then a couple of years into my fandom as a child, my dad took me live at the Philadelphia Spectrum, and we, you know, we got pretty good seats, good enough seats that I was able to be like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, almost better. Even as a kid, seats. you know, oh. I'm like seven, eight years old. Right, you want to take your kid like, to bad seats? Mm. So because if you go live and you are sitting. Cl- on the floor, yeah, you could kind of figure it out. Really, even if you, and I was like what six, seven, eight years old. You so can kind punches, of figure it those out. Like punches of their heads go back, and yeah, you you kind of see it in real time. Like there's something about TV and the cameras. It it adds like a, a it it just adds. Well, I because what they do is for TV. The stomping and the their hands are, you know, and you can. If you're there live, you can kind of see the stuff that the camera shoots around, which yes. is them putting their heads together and tell and saying things like, you know, give me a turnbuckle. Oh, you can hear that. Give me, you know, shoot me, in, you know, shoot me in, drop down, tackle. But you can kind of catch it. Like if they're down, selling, you know, acting as if they are hurt. Okay. At some point, they're usually, you know, actually just saying to their opponent what the next sort of sequence of moves are. Uh- Okay, so then if you wrote for it, they're clearly writing that while they're in the ring. What type of stuff did we you write? We wrote the um, plot. We wrote the characters. We wrote the character, uh, you know, um, the beef between. Like if you and Cap, if we, if the office said, okay, Kaplan and Turner, oh, Kaplan's gonna, Kaplan's gonna turn heel on her on Turner during the podcast. Right turn here. heel means turn, turn into a bad Turn heel means guy. It heels and babyface. Babyfaces are the good guys. I could use heels. this chair right here and you could, smash you exactly. You could fold this chair up, and when Turner's not looking, you hit him over the chair. But <laughs> the I, I and the writing team, we would write that whole like, okay, they're they do a podcast together, and uh, Turner's gonna <laughs> amazing. Turner's gonna go like full anti semite. Yeah, in the middle. Of Ooh, a rant, like and Kaplan's going to get offended by it, and then you start with that Goldstein. At message. the end of the podcast, <laughs> when they go to shake hands, Kaplan's going to knee him in the nuts, grab the chair, and hit him over the head, and then walk, drop the mic on him, and right. say, "You know, yeah." And we wrote, we write that stuff because the TV is vignettes and backstage interviews and uh, you know uh, encounters in the ring. But then the physicality. That's why on the writing team there would be former wrestlers who work so out the physicality. Do they write the like? Like when the but rest of the way they win the fight, or is that all scripted, or is it the finish, or is it sort of like all, they could freestyle until most, they get to that point? Most matches, yes. Uh, most matches are uh, just 
the finish, the, right. the, the finish sequence and any sort of gimmick uh, that happens in the match. Like, like so-and-so comes down, distracts the referee, yeah. lights go out, Undertaker <laughs> appears. Like, all of that stuff is scripted, but, like, the, the move to move and right. the spots, which are mo- sequences of moves, yeah. those are sort of either uh, put together beforehand between the two competitors or called in the ring. And so, and then any of those like little interviews where they'd be like, oh, come on, brother, live at the spectrum. Those all used to be improvised. Where <laughs> oh, back in the day, it, it would just be like, okay, you're talking, you're, you're, uh, the show's in Pensacola on, you know, March 25th, and you have 30 seconds. And then they, really? And then they would improvise, and you're talking about Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And so then they would just go in. And do their little uh, local spot for the show in Pensacola, trying to get people there and say whatever you want to say about Hacksaw Jim Duggan. But nowadays, because it is a TV show, it's a variety show, everything is written. And who used to be the best at that? Which oh, I mean, Ric Flair is... Oh, Rick... woo! <laughs> the, na- the Nate Chiboy is my number one, and then right below him, 1A, is Dusty Rhodes, both of whom are probably the best at uh, the best promo guys. Miss Elizabeth was one of my first crushes, so... Oh yeah, who? I mean, of course, everybody. Yeah. And so, what was? What would you say? Because when you, what years did you I write for it? Uh, two thousand six. Two thousand six. What? Um, I was fired did you very ever early in two thousand seven? Did you ever get to introduce characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this guy, he's still wrestling on the independent scene. His name is MVP. You'll, you guys will actually like the story because it, it devolves in it. Uh, originates from my Philadelphia Eagles fandom. but So there's a wrestler named MVP, Montel Vontavious Porter, and his whole gimmick is entitled athlete, million-dollar entitled athlete, okay. or at least it was. So when I got hired in 2006, the Eagles had just signed Terrell, Terrell Owens. Owens. Yeah. And so I came in being like, we have to have a Terrell Owens sort of like prima donna entitled Athlete, like he was doing the sit-ups in his driveway, like that whole gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, oh. so I was just like, we got to do it. And they were like, well, actually, we have a guy in our developmental in our minor leagues named MVP who's kind of doing that gimmick, but he's not doing it that, you know, he's he's not, uh, it needs refinement. They sent me down to Kentucky. Down to the minors. To Ohio and Kentucky. And I spent like a week with him and we hashed out the character. Wow. And he debuted with like, the tunnel with the smoke and the eye thing and he walks halfway to the ring and then his agent calls and he pulls his cell phone out and he or like in the middle of a match he'll step out take a call from his agent nice and he like demanded a million dollar contract and it was like who's his manager gonna be that's great his his agent he has a secret agent that's like doing all these deals for him and then we had like the big reveal on smackdown who his agent was it was like a whole thing and it was all based on me getting hired in the company and uh being obsessed with the Eagles and the fact that they had signed Terrell Owens. This guy sounds like a better wide receiver than Ty Pinkston. Yes. <laughs> no, but he's a great guy, and, and I'm not trying to take credit for anything because he made it happen in, uh, long, What's the minor league? So, long after I was involved. He was very, very successful that's, in the WWE and then in Japan and then in TNA and in the indies now. He's a very big Okay, that's what I want to talk about next, guy. which is the idea that it went to Japan. When did, did Japan always have wrestling? Japan is arguably bigger than... Wrestling is arguably bigger in Japan than it is here. What's it called in Japan? Sumo well, there are... Not sumo wrestling. New, right <laughs> now, New Japan, and J- New Japan Pro Wrestling is gigantic. New That's, Japan Pro there Wrestling. There used to be two companies. There was All Japan and New Japan. Each were run by uh, go- basically gods. This guy, uh, Giant Baba, was ran the one company, and um, 
who ran the other one? I'm not going to remember the name, but two basically wrestling legends. Japanese who, guys? Yeah, who were like, uh, or Ch- uh, yeah, and they were like um, Muhammad Ali level. Um, and what do you Inoki. think? So Inoki. Antonio Noki, who, re- who, who wrestled uh, in a mixed sport match against Muhammad Ali. Like these dudes Whoa, really? Ali level pre Parkinson's Japan. Hopefully. In wrestling. As wrestlers in the seventies or sixties, in like the sixties and seventies. But was it real then, or was it in Japan? They approach wrestling. The fans approach wrestling as if it's a real athletic competition. So, so in the seventies, it was still like fixed, and it wasn't like every. It was. It's always always been a work. That's another term. A work meaning that the outcome is decided by the office. Okay. But in Japan, the physicality is much more real than it is here. And so they have what's called strong style, which is like. Punches are like closer to real kicks, and they headbutt each other for real. They're tougher. Yeah. When you say in Japan, the the audience approaches it as it's real. Um, do they know it's not real? Yes, but there's like a full-on suspension of disbelief. And Japanese newspaper uh, Japanese newspapers cover wrestling as if it's NFL football. That's awesome. And the, wrestlers always talk about the audience is so different in Japan, like. If you go to a live event now, it's just people screaming their heads off, chanting, clapping, the whole thing. Silence. And when there's like a big move, there's just like a ooh in Japan. Yeah, but silence. Everyone's very uh, uh, like reverent. What you as a as a worker, what you want out of the crowd is that ooh yeah 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 yeah. easier to concentrate. And really, if you know you've whipped them into a frenzy if they like clap. Wow. Whereas like here, it's like you fucked up. You fucked yeah, up. Yeah, everyone's screaming. You like, suck. Did I wonder if, if they other sports in is Japan or like at a baseball game or is it, or is it just a? I don't know. know. Because if you watch, I watch Japanese wrestling on occasion, and it's it. You know, you can hear a pin drop, and it's hard because the guys have to sort of whisper to each other. I think. Really pe- oh, you're right. It makes me hard. I, I think people just like different cultures. We don't think about it, but they react to. We just take for granted that however we react to events, everyone reacts the same way. But I've done comedy for like specifically Scandinavian crowds, and they are almost impossible to make laugh. Yeah, but they'll pay attention, right? And then afterwards, they're way they get you get this way like this overwhelming like support. Like it was amazing more than American. They don't laugh in the moment, but then afterwards, they're like, "You were hilarious." Yeah, but they're like not in the fit. Like you know, like that when you can tell when people think you suck because they're like, "I thought you were funny." That means the rest of the crowd didn't. It's not that way. It's like they want to hang out with you all night and buy you beers. I always try to be funny at Ikea, and nobody laughs. But then when I check out, they're like, you were hilarious back in aisle 12. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anywhere else? Because I know it's just... Oh, yeah, Mexico is... You know, the big Mexican wrestling. Mexico is huge, and then they have their own style, you know, you know, Lucha Libre and the the mask wrestling. And so they're different. Like, they don't sell, you know, they don't register the pain... Uh, it's basically move, move, move. It's more like synchronized swimming or stuntmen, you know, sort of a stuntmen sequence, like flips and dives and jumping out of the ring. And now you watch wrestling and they're doing a lot of that. Like American wrestling is very influenced by Mexican wrestling now. Mm. But they, in Mexican wrestling is like soap opera, you know, telenovela, guys with masks. Yeah. Women wrestle guys. It's crazy. But do they knock over the American announcer's table? Yeah. The way we walk over the Mexican announcer's that, table? Well, we, yeah. 
The Spanish announce table always gets it. Yeah, it always gets <laughs> destroyed. You never notice that? Uh, so then it's popular in America, Mexico. It's just now getting to China. Yeah, okay. So WWE, WWE has this huge new like NFL level combine uh, year round uh, developmental system called NXT. They have signed like 10 Chinese wrestlers. And one guy uh, was supposed to debut or debuted in the Battle Royal on the pre-show to WrestleMania. So he's he's getting pretty close. But yeah, they they went on a scouting mission to China and signed about 10 guys and who is, are now in Orlando training. And then the idea is to eventually send them back to China? To, no, to be on actual WWE. Oh, like a Yao Ming. Chinese wrestlers. Yeah, like, to be, exactly. Like, but they're, They've okay. already co-opted Japanese, like big-time Japanese stars. Like this guy... Um, Shinsuke Nakamura just debuted, and he's, like, the biggest thing right now. In the U.S.? Yeah. In WWE? He was huge in NXT, and he got called up right after WrestleMania, and he's, like, the biggest thing right now. I guess that's the way to get in. Like, all the sports do that, right? That's the way to get in, is if you can get someone from that country. These guys are, like, the Hideo Nomo of uh, pro wrestling. Do they have, like, traveling wrestling to China, though? Like, the American... They They don't have... There's no... Equivalent of that, except I think for... WWE's work is uh, working on shows. What's they the have arena? Done, they have done a couple shows. There's a Mercedes-Benz Arena in Shanghai. Oh, and but... so uh, anyway, yeah. So then that's where um, I think they they're starting. They're doing WWE stuff there. I would if I came to China with you. Yes, all I would want to do is re- figure out where wrestling is happening and try to find it. Well, the only way it would be happening is if WWE had it, because I don't think there's any like minor league really? version. Right. They just could. They just you started athletes. that. What's that? You should have brought wrestling to China. It's a great ice idea. Cream. What is this ice cream? Yeah. Next time. I, it's weird. I wonder, like, what cultures will go... Because you have to kind of, like, suspend disbelief, as you're saying, yeah. right? Do There's got to be certain cultures who would just see it and be like, wait, why? Yeah. You know? But I think they'd also be amazed by the Chinese. athleticism and the physicality and the drama of it all. Like, I think so, too. Yeah. Definitely like, kids. In the 20s when wrestling, you know, I mean, people probably, it's like circus stuff. You knew, it came out of the carny, the, the carnival, cir- the oh, did it? circus. That's where wrestling, the strongman competitions. Oh. And, and like the, 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 the carnival barkers of like, if you can beat our man, Turner Sparks, will you get $10,000? And then it would be, the guy would be a plant yeah. that could not be beaten. Turner Sparks cannot be beaten. Cannot. <laughs> cannot be beaten. Is but, it, uh, yeah. Have you been to Japan? I have. Yeah, I did comedy there. Yeah. Didn't Fukuoka. Wrestle. I have not gone to wrestling, though. I wanted to go to sumo, but I'm never there at the right I time. I went to sumo at Madison Square Garden, and it was not what, at all what I thought. Like, the dudes were not fat. Really? Like they were, like, this day, they, they were just, like, they're probably on a weight big dudes. Days. They weren't fat. Oh, yeah, you gotta be a fat guy. It was, like, mm. middleweight sumo. Hmm. I went with the Goldich brothers. Was it, was it, would you go again or no? We had fun because it was like, like so ironically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I want to see some dudes with tits. Do they have- yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to see really fun. But they had the diaper, right? They didn't- Akebono. Yeah. <laughs> in China, do they have like. They did, they wore the diaper. Like in yeah. Thailand, like Thai boxing's big. Oh, yeah. Like, like in China, what's the equivalent? Is there any sort of like. Well, so I went to version? boxing. Like, so it, everybody, there is no. You don't have your own thing? Yeah, I can't think of the local equivalent of that. The only thing, like, the boxing is trying to get into China the same way WWE is. And I went to boxing in China. My friend and I went, and um, we decided to start betting on, like, just bet on every match, you yeah. know, every fight. That's the key to all these things. But then gambling. it lasted, like... Sounds very Kaplan of you. <laughs> there was, like, eight fights, and after three, 
we just noticed, we realized that they were just setting it up so the Chinese guy won everyone. Oh, so the boxing's fixed. Yeah, it was completely fixed. There's no art. Yeah, one of my bucket list items is to go to Japan and see wrestling. Like at the Tokyo Dome, there's big shows. I'm in. I'll go. And uh, there's a bar. uh, Now I'm going to forget it, but uh, they all wear, it's like a badge of honor if you get the jacket from this like specific bar restaurant that all the wrestlers go to in Japan. Sweet. You have chairs. I have chairs. When I went to go watch WrestleMania, he has chairs from if you uh, sit close enough, they give you a chair at from WrestleMania. From the arena? Yeah. If you go to a pay-per-view, uh, the first like 10 rows ringside you take are, are commemorative chairs with like the padding on the on the. But you get to smash over someone's head on the way home. That's a great home. way to meet. And, uh, when so you bring when, a girl home, I, I, you know. Oh yeah, you have my wife chairs. loves it. When you, <laughs> they're, um, they're zip tied together, and then at the end, the guy comes around and cuts all the chairs loose, and you can take them home. That's you, pretty you awesome. Because you paid big bucks for your ticket, technically, but I never pay. I I have friends that hook yeah. it up, and so. But I'll tell you, WrestleMania, the last WrestleMania I went to in New Orleans, I was like, I took my chair, and we're walking out of the arena, mass exodus of people, and I was like, how am I going to take this home? I got to get on an airplane, so I sold it. To a kid for like a hundred bucks. Nice. I was like, uh, I think I'm going to sell this. And then I was like, does anybody? And before I could get the sentence out, like a mom with her kid was like, we'll take it. Really? T- too bad Ikram wasn't there. You could have got a thousand. Ikram, yeah. that's nothing. <laughs> I, sold... I would start the bidding at a. At, well, at wait, 1K. we should tell the audience you were with us. Yeah, we should say you that. You discovered the bar. For the legendary, the way we met Ikram, is, you were the first one, weren't you? I, I was the there. One you were there. The bar. I was there. You were sitting with me. It all happened because of me, guys. Yep, it did. Yeah. No, I found that... an Eagles bar in, in my neighborhood walking my dog. It, had, it flew an Eagles flag outside of it. And uh, we watched. What the first game? Eagle Steelers. Eagle he... Steelers, and um, that's how we met. It. That's how we Ikram, met. Ikram. I was. Yeah, we were just in there. I was wearing a jersey. And you were he not. Needed your jersey for a, a, a mediocre joke. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, I will say that because I came the second time, I wasn't there the first time. You were the one I remember specifically that was pushing the thousand dollars. Yeah, that was all Weber. No, you were the one that went. I'm shy. I don't. Five hundred. I... You should give him a thousand. Give him yeah, a thousand. That was all. We- I be- I think it was Weber. Well, but it... nonetheless, I mean, props to. Kaplan, he like took his shirt off in public. Yeah, to, you know, shirt off trade. the bod. Shirt it off. Hey, you've been working out I mean, at, the, at that point. Yeah. I feel like if <laughs> if the Ikram came to off. my apartment and I had the chair, the, the WrestleMania chairs out. Yeah, I'd make at least like eight to nine k. I was gonna invite him over for next WrestleMania. I'd make like five figures, like like three k a chair. <laughs> yeah. you're on Venmo. Yeah. Oh, done. You're, yeah. you're gonna make. Exactly. I have a question about the writing, just quickly. Yeah. Uh, sure, let's do it. What, what, like, how does the what's the process? Is this like a writer's room? Like, are there like write like you have to do you like do they like are there people who be like that? That storyline is not believable. Yeah, <laughs> there's up. no way. Is there anything like that? Like, how does it work? Is like a they pick the most unbelievable well, storyline. Weber and Newstad are write the first draft. Okay, and we, no, <laughs> you put we, a little uh, music, a I'm little uh, Regina Spector. <laughs> 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 we uh no, it's a writer's it's just like any other writer's yeah. room. The only difference is like Ted DiBiase's in it. No He's a way. Yeah, when I, was, man. when I was there, Brother Love, Dusty Rhodes, Michael P.S. Hayes, and I just sort of and we were just wrapping up with Ted DiBiase on the on the creative team. I always rooted for I always liked the bad guys. That was my thing. I always root for the heels. Yeah. I liked him. I mean most <laughs> most people today do. Were you the guy who introduced Trump to wrestling? Was that your idea? No, but that was room? the WrestleMania right after I got fired. I was there for when Vince... You were like, let's not have him on. He's going to become president because of this. And I was you. there <laughs> in the meeting when Trump, when Vince told us... Vince McMahon. Vince, Vince McMahon, McMahon told us that we were going to do a deal whereby uh, 
uh, Umaga and was a Samoan guy and Bobby Lashley, who's a wrestler MMA guy. We're gonna wrestle, and I'm gonna team with uh, Lash. I'm gonna. Tr- it was Vince and Umaga versus Trump and Lashley. Right, the battle of the and billionaires. he goes and the battle of the billionaires, <laughs> and uh, the winner shaves the loser's head. And Trump wow. won, right? So he and shaved. Trump won, and he shaved. Vince I mean, it's such a great video. If Trump would have had a to Trump's shaved. credit, and it's hard for me to give Trump any credit, but during that whole lead up, like he was game for anything. He tackled Vince. They show it on CNN <laughs> yeah. all the time. He tackled Vince McMahon. Yeah. He like got physical. Yeah, and he showed up to like six Raws, and he was great on the mic. Obviously, as we know. Yeah, I think. And, stick- and they did a storyline later where Trump bought Raw. And it would like sprinkle money from the ceiling. <laughs> Trump, he took the million dollar man character. I was gonna like, say, yeah. Yeah. it's a million dollar. Well, they used to say like in politics, the guy who the person's gonna win the election is the one you want to have a beer with. But I think they had to amend it now. That it's the guy who will shave someone's head off on national TV and the, wrestling. Uh, <laughs> like that's the we should have saw it coming. Trump has taken. I, I I've tweeted about the number one thing Trump has taken from wrestling is what's called the no sell. Yeah. So we talked earlier about selling. The whole key to professional wrestling, the whole work of it is that if I hit you, you have to sell the fact that I hit you. You, right. you can't stand like a piece of iron if I punch you. Right. That's bad then wrestling. You, and then you expose the business. You oh. expose the the, 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 the carny trick. Unless he goes into like Hulk Hogan mode where nothing can hurt me. Well, that's called hulking <laughs> up. That's just a gimmick. But so Trump took the no-sell, not selling what you're, what is happening, and took it into politics because look at every... He has no-sold everything. He no he no sold uh, he he no sold the the uh, Access Hollywood tape. Yeah. He no sold his taxes. He no he's no sold everything that's come down the pike. He just blows it off and moves on to the next media cycle. So where any it's other genius, any other politician would take the hit, he's just not taking it. Every other politician on the f- like Hillary should have fr- gone to wrestling day one when Trump up. came down the escalator. <laughs> any other if any other politician came down the escalator right, and said. Mexicans are right. rapists. Yeah, they would have been done, but Trump no sold all of the criticism about saying that Mexicans are rapists and moved on to the next one. I mean, he did it again just a couple days ago. Not to get too political here, but he said uh, in an interview he went, "Yeah, so you know we had a problem with uh, the Middle East or whatever uh, Assad, and so we t- uh, got fifty nine bombs yeah. and we bombed Iraq." Well, yeah, he and the lady goes, wait, did you mean Syria? He goes, God, yes, Syria. I mean, and he talked and with the cake. No one Howard even called Dean him on it. was on the road to being president. And, and he, he yelled, gave one press conference where yeah. he slightly raised his voice. to Colorado! <laughs> he, where he, Colorado. like, showed off his geographical skills. Yeah. And he was out. He was shunned from politics because of that. Trump basically yeah. well, said... Well, Marco Rubio drank too much water and everyone was... Yeah. <laughs> because they acted like actual politicians after the yeah. fact and were, like, apologetic. Whereas right. Trump was like... That's just me. I'm just. So you're saying it's your fault that he's our president? I'm I'm saying he took why wrestling has been more successful than uh, all of the four major sports. Um, What about because it's wrestling is clearly like I like how it's, and I guess it's written this way. Like it tries to kind of reflect whatever's happening in society at the time, but in a really broad basic way yeah well that was the genius of vince i mean look at uh uh back in the day when he turned sergeant slaughter who was like the g the living gi joe figure he turned him into an iraqi sympathizer against hulk hogan the all-american and they had a wrestlemania hulk hogan versus sergeant slaughter meanwhile 
during the Gulf Sergeant War. Sergeant Slaughter was like done. He was like retired, and they were like, you know what, we're going to bring you back. No Asian and all of a sudden, he's the number one heel in the country because he's huge. a U.S. soldier who comes out waving an Iraqi it was flag. A, I yeah, that now. because <laughs> it was <laughs> it's we had just entered the Gulf War, the first and so Gulf Vince War, yeah. jumped off of that and was like, who do I make an Iraqi sympathizer? Clearly, the guy who was on the GI Joe cartoon. So you just do the exact opposite, yeah. yeah. And then, and then all, later on, didn't they have like an ISIS or Is there maybe an ISIS Al Qaeda guy or an ISIS guy or well, something? Very short lived because yeah. that got too offensive and they had to cut yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> Mohammed Hassan. I looked him up today. He's from like New Jersey or something. Yeah, he wasn't even Muslim. No, he was like Italian American. Typical Hollywood. You can't even get a real ethnic uh, casting for. But it'd be weird because <laughs> yes, Vince would take from like real stuff. But then like when I was there and like Snakes on a Plane came out. And we they we were doing this thing where Degeneration X was going to vandalize Vince McMahon's private jet. Yeah, and we had this whole whole thing where Vince walks onto his jet and he sees the, all the spray paint and everything's you know destroyed, and he finds out that it was DX who did it. And we wrote in a lot. We pitched that Vince says the line, "Get these motherfucking DX." Off my motherfucking plane. <laughs> it's a great line. Everybody thought it was a great line. Every writer was like, oh my God, we have to do that. Because everyone was quoting that from Get my... Snakes on a Plane, which had just come out. And we pitched it to Vince. And he's like, I don't, uh, he, and he, um, he's like, how'd that movie do? And we told him, oh, it opened with X amount of, you know, millions of dollars. He goes, God damn it. Why would I quote a movie that only made. Like ten yeah. million dollars or like something. Get, he didn't get that it was like a cultural thing. He just looked at the bottom line. God right. damn it! He wanted number one. That's very uh, yeah. Trump of him. So then in the eighties, because I remember like whoever like our enemy is in the world, those right. typically are the There's bad guys Iron in Sheik wrestling. Yeah. The Iron Sheik, Nikolai Iron, Volkov. That's a good one. Iron Sheik and Hulk Hogan was very similar. Yeah, he was from Iran. Is that yeah. correct? Back during the Iran Contra. <laughs> and then you had Nikolai Volkov had the USSR on his yeah. shirt. So who would it be now? Are uh, we back to Russia? Millennials. <laughs> is there any bad guy? John Cena versus a ten-year-old kid <laughs> in skinny who jeans? Can't pay attention. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it would be Syrians. No, um, are there any? That... You know, they don't do it that much now because uh, all the PCs. Everything is so reality-based that it's all. You know, they have this one guy uh, Rusev who's like uh, Bulgarian, and he tries to do the America sucks and yeah. the Americans are lazy, and I'm Russian and I'm a better genetic athlete and all this stuff. Oh. And people, you know, they like him. But they want him to be sort of like real. They don't want this like scripted. -y. The audience, you mean? Yeah, the audience kind of rejects any more... kind of overt storyliney plot. Okay. Um, fantastical, you know, plot they don't devices. Want caricature. They, they want don't real characters now. They want character. They don't want caricature. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see. Because I was, gonna, I think an Assad Smart. character would be good. Yeah, Assad would be great. If we can get like what a, about a Putin character? A Putin would be fantastic. Well, they've done that. They, so with this guy Rusev, they've Putin showed, they've shown, <laughs> they've showed uh, Putin on the big screen and said that he's a, actual Putin. They've tried it, but with, he's not. Putin doesn't, doesn't know about work. this, People right? Don't care. They don't like care Putin hasn't it. given his blessing. Well, if you want to get big in China, you got to get a Japanese bad guy. Oh yeah, like a military guy maybe. Who are the, because this is like we international podcast, who are the best foreign guys, like actual foreign guys? Because there's a lot of fake foreign guys. Oh, man, guys. so many. Right? Well, right now, like I said, Shinsuke Nakamura is li about to be the biggest thing in WWE. He Which just debuted on Raw. He's the he was like the biggest star in Japan. They brought him over. He did a year in the developmental system to rave reviews. Like is he every, a little every, guy, big guy? What's his he's style? A, he's a not built big guy. Like he's not muscular. Yeah. But he has the body of like a like a kickboxer type. Is he like a high flyer? He's not. He's like a he does what's called strong style like ground and pound. 
Got it. Because yeah, he had like done Ronda Rousey. He had yeah, done yeah. MMA also. He does like a lot oh. of kicks and stuff. And he does this fly. He does this running knee to your face. That's called the. Um, That's my move. I forget what it's called. The, sh- the Kinshasa. But okay, yeah. last question. No, I just want to say, uh, you, anything to plug before we get to the news? Oh well, uh, I, I oh your show. I have a, we haven't a, talked about your show. I have a podcast called "Sorry I've Been So Busy." I co-host it with uh, Mac Oldich, uh, who is a writer for Late Night with Seth Meyers, and we talk to really busy people about what they're busy doing, or not so busy people about what they're lying about busy doing. And I was on there once. You were on there. Check Listen out the Turner Sparks. You didn't even episode. plug our podcast once the whole time you're on there. It was before it was we had our podcast. Well, I mean. Turner tells the whole story of how he, you know, he went to China and yeah. spent a decade Can we re-add there. And a plug. He tells the whole Mr. Softy story. It's a very great episode. But um, the whole thing is like you walk around any big metropolitan city, you talk to people. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm. Yeah. So, uh, you blow people off. every time you make plans everyone's and you so cancel. Busy. I'm everyone's busy. blowing everybody off and. When you break it down, like what are they actually busy doing? Nothing. They're going Nothing. home to watch DVR. Yeah, they're just comfortable. And so with we're their like getting to the bottom of like what people are actually busy with, and and the best part is we're talking to really talented, like actually busy people. Um, Buds for the most the... part, and then sometimes not so busy. Weber was on. on Reed Weber. Into the pod. Oh yeah, Weber learned was about on? his peanut butter. Uh, you, you know what I yeah, think he it is. Exposed himself. <laughs> and you have a show. Do you want to talk about your TV show? Uh, yes. You know, it's it, it fits into the theme of the podcast because it's for MTV International. Which That's means our audience. It will air in 16 international markets on MTV. So if you're international and you're listening to this, you turn on MTV in your country starting at the end of April, and you see a show called MTV Vidiots. Yeah. V i d i o t s Vidiots. Uh, that's my show. Boom! You're what are you? It's the first series sh- that I'm show running. Showrunner, and uh, it's basically Mystery Science Three Thousand or Beavis and Butthead, but human. So it's it's pairs of comedians in different living room setups watching new, newish, and classic music videos and sort of uh, commenting and making fun of them. Yeah, it's awesome. So I have the enemies. podcast. I have the show. Yeah. I just got married. I have a dog. And you're doing our podcast. And I'm yeah. doing your Sounds podcast, like and I watch a lot of wrestling, and I'm a big, uh, I can't wait for the NFL draft and the NBA draft. All right, let's get to the news. Let's get to it. Everybody in the news today. First story. <laughs> this from the New York Post. This from the New York Post. Domino's delivery robots bringing pizza to the final frontier. And the final frontier in this case, I think they mean Germany. I don't know why they picked that as the final frontier. But the robots. No, that's are... the final solution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the robots are coming with pizza. It says starting this summer, Domino's will be using a fleet of odd, autonomous robots to make deliveries in parts of Germany. And the Netherlands. The driverless devices will travel on six wheels at a pace of four miles an hour. And if they don't get you in a half hour, you get the pizza free, right? I think so. Here's my first question. I really don't know this. Does this already exist in the United States or not? There's. I've always There's I've drones, read like right? drone deliveries. Oh uh, yeah, for like. Um, uh, but I don't want my Best pizza Buy. landing on my roof. <laughs> yeah, I want it like true. hot and fresh at my door. Did pizza can parachute down maybe? And how do dro- how do drone deliveries work if you live in an apartment building? You well, open out the window. You put your arm out. I don't catch get it. it. 
This is, so this is like a it, the robot. I saw the picture. It looks like a little. R- like a car. Like it looks a, like R two D two. It must be not a long. Right. And it has like feet and wheels. It's like do 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 do. It's a like delivery a delivery car. Bring it and let go of the robot. Like when it's outside the house and it just goes up to the door. Or does the robot go well, all the way? And good luck going next to any college because frat kids are just going to be taking those pizzas. I mean, th- it sounds like something that's developed in this office. Yeah, <laughs> in the in, in studios. Here's my thing, my thought, you know, the, the, speaking of the final solution, we got to go more Holocaust jokes, <laughs> but, you know, they say then they came for the, you know, the whole, sure. they, then they came for the delivery board, because I don't really care, people talk about all these lost jobs. I'm, I'm on your side. There's so many lost jobs, they've been outsourced, everything, I don't really care, I pretend to care, but it doesn't affect me. This affects me. I was a pizza delivery boy once. You were. If I ever lose my job, if this podcast doesn't take off, this is a skill I have. I deliver pizzas for a living. I've done <laughs> yeah, you can fall back on it. Little Caesars, baby. It's your fallback. And if I can't fall back on this, what do I have to live on? You know, and, yeah. what, and do they tip the robots? That's the other yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh. Do you, you just type the tip in like, right. like in the... a cab? Like you can swipe your card on these robots? I would not tip a robot. Yeah. I'm anti-tipping. I know. Call me cheap. Call me whatever you want. But You don't tip a robot. They're not exerting energy. Exactly. Right? Well, can I tell you, at the, speaking of tipping at these pizza delivery places, at least my experience, there's a lot of animosity towards the delivery guy. Because everyone's working for like minimum wage or close to it, and they're ma- in the kitchen, and everything. And the delivery guy, they make a fortune comparatively. They don't Except split the, the tips. The well, por- I need pool tips. No, we didn't pull tips. there <laughs> the was por- a lot of the porn star pizza delivery men. They do, they do okay. <laughs> yeah, they do. Oh, at least they're having sex. They get Whoa. laid like a hundred percent of the time. How about the robot? Robot fucks porn. The porn star. <laughs> robot porn. Yes, it's me. Robot deliver pizza delivery. Did somebody porn. order a pepperoni, a sausage pizza? <laughs> dun, dun. Yeah, I'm here. While well, fi- I have the sausage, hold the pizza. I'm here to fix the plumbing. And that then the obvious place is how and, to go. And then the, the music starts playing out of the speaker in the robot. <laughs> and they start yeah, robot porn. Big robotic dick. again. And then porn stars will be like, then they came for the, ro-, you know, they just keep coming for. Jobs. I also find it annoying that Germany gets everything before us. Like they figured out how to they fix got Hasselhoff. <laughs> they got Hasselhoff. They fixed Kobe's knee. Yeah. Right. They like they Dirk. have all the best doctors. Well. They don't have all the best doctors. They kind of got rid of a few million of them, but... Oh, but that was a while ago. <laughs> this new generation's pretty on point. All right, well... And so they can... Like, anyone that has to get a major operation, you always go to Germany, right? Yeah. When it, When is America gonna... I mean, is this Merkel? Is this her doing? <laughs> is this her doing? <laughs> this Trump sounds like Trump Merkel. <laughs> this is... Classic Merkel. Classic Merkel. This is why Angela. Trump snubs her on the handshake. I know. <laughs> he knew about these pizza robots. The they got the soft G. Yeah. In the name, I feel like Hitler would have been really excited about the the robot. Yeah, I think I wish he could have seen his face. <laughs> he would have been proud about, about the, the robot rob- delivery men. The robot. Did the Germans invent it or the Dutch? Because they're not the Netherlands. Off the tears of Jews, they did. Maybe the master race was robots in his mind. Mm. Yeah, that was the. That's what he was working. That's what we were all leading towards. But none it is the a robots question. Are blacker. At some point, none right. of us are just going to have jobs, right? It's just going to be all robots. It'll be robot we're podcasts. Lo- we're losing out to the machine. <laughs> yeah. robot comedy. Robot Pod will put us all out of business. <laughs> all three of us. Yeah. Like a robot Mark Marin. <laughs> <laughs> robot Pete Holmes. Yeah. Are we good? Are we good? That'd be amazing. <laughs> I would listen to that. All right. Last last story. Teen last story of the week. This one I'm I'm excited to read. All right. Teens warning after falling through pond. Don't risk your life for a selfie, the teen says. This is That's from a great help message. This though. is from the New York Post. Scare straight. So what happened is like a week ago, I don't know if you heard, or maybe a couple weeks ago in um, Central Park. In Central Park, these like teenage, like five teenage kids yeah. decided to go out onto one of the ponds and take a picture of themselves and a selfie. And right before they could take the selfie, <laughs> it broke and the kids flo- fell through. Oh, was this when it was ice? Yeah, it was uh, ice. My, fr- I, I went at my. A couple friends of mine at my friend Matt Green's house, he had a pool, and it was frozen over, 
and we were like running across it and uh, Matt fell the ice cracked and Matt fell in and <laughs> I laughed <laughs> so hard to the point like I couldn't save him because I was laughing so hard yeah uh, he was okay but he at one point he did float under the like big sheet of ice that's dangerous he, right he, like got it. oh yeah and it's freezing yeah and how did what how did he get back out did he pop it did he, he hit finally it? his head came out and then like he swam back he, like, to like the whole That's part. Become one of those questions they ask when you do the life insurance exam. Like, what is your selfie? Because people take a lot of selfies. It's dangerous. Well, there's stories about yeah. girls falling off cliffs yeah. on vacation, uh, just because they were trying to get the right. Uh, they were trying to get the best selfie. It reminds me of that scene in Superman One, where the kid <laughs> is on the railing and he goes, "Look, Ma, look!" And he's yeah. changed. Uh, he's changing his hands. Yes. He's, yeah. And he falls off into the into like Niagara Falls, and Superman and Clark Kent's there, and Superman uh, goes and saves him. Uh, but um, well, there's more people die now from what selfie attacks and shark attacks, or terrorist say. attacks. It's unbelievable. Yeah, ISIS isn't killing it as many people as selfies. If but. you dropped your phone in the subway, would you jump down? No. The subway in like uh, on in the, the track. If the boat, and you don't know when. It, no, I wouldn't. I'd let it go just because of the rats. More than anything, yeah. I don't want to be around those animals. I, no. it, I have to. I, I have to think about like if my kids fall in, I'm like gotta be more prepared for that. I can't use that. I can't waste that energy if it's a phone. As yeah, much as but I, I'm not that connected it, to my phone. So many pictures. I know. I know pictures of the kids. Yeah, but it's in I the cloud. Contacts. <laughs> you got the cloud now, right? Um, I feel like in particular stations that sort of wrap around, so you kind of have some time. Yeah, you would do it. I think I would. I would maybe do it. Well, I mean, that's one thing. Also, that's... you have to make sure that there's somebody there that can help you back up. You can't do it if you're solo. Why don't they put? I have two, two, uh, one question. Or if you're another... on the platform with weak people. A comment. Why don't they put steps that allow you to get back up if because you fall in? People, <laughs> people would be like going down in there. Yeah, but you need a way to get out if you're stuck down in. I know. No penalty. There should be drop down. <laughs> Cavlin's against there's survival like, of the fittest. Every you can't ten, stay yellow every line. ten feet, there should there should be uh, like a drop down ladder, like, uh, yeah. like a fire escape. So the Cavlin says pit. penalized. He means death. Well, no, because they stop the train sometimes and cause me to be late. But. You know, uh, a few years ago, there was that amazing story where the guy had the seizure on the platform and he fell onto the tracks. Okay. So a guy jumped down, or a woman, and a guy jumped down and lay, put her in the middle. You know, it sort of dips. Yeah. And, and put her in the middle and laid on top of her, and the train went right over them. Whoa, really? That, to me, was like the most amazing New York subway story I, I've ever... That Is that a legend? Rat. Is that like a real that, thing? That, that really happened. But What's that, Pizza Rat? Pizza Rat. Oh, Oh, you weren't back in America for Pizza Rat, were you? Pizza Rat, no. Oh, man. Uh, Pizza Rat was this <laughs> drunk kid. Was that was his name? Pizza yeah. Rat, was, this drunk kid was coming out of, like, the station at, like, I don't know, like, six, like where you can leave, you know, Fort, at West 4th Street, but you can kind of get out at, like, 6th. Okay. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was ex- exiting the subway, and a rat was running down the steps with a full... Slice of New York pizza, <laughs> and this legend. became an. And he took a picture, and, or he took video, and he posted it online, and it went like crazy pizza viral. Rat. And it became Pizza Rat, and they were selling like Pizza Rat Halloween costumes and everything. Oh, yeah, nice! Yeah, my only thing on the selfie, just to go. Right yeah, back I want to go back to it. Too. I diverted. Oh, it's a good diversion. Um, is I've noticed, yeah, the thing with the selfie, this is why it's a good message for the kids. Is like I see everywhere I go in Florida. I saw this in Mexico last week. These millennials. They sp- it's like one thing to take a selfie. You do it quick. It's like you you get it out of the way. They spend so much time posing. Yeah. I don't understand yeah, why they can't. Face. It's like this, like the Instagram, the picture about a sense of the world is so important. Like, it's like just- Weber in a Wawa with the tasty <laughs> cakes. <laughs> just take the picture. You know? <laughs> so you know what's <laughs> a great place? When he listens. Like, I don't know what the, the selfie situation is like in China, but oh, Dis- it's, Disney World. It's equal to it's here. It's banned in Disney World. 
Oh, yeah. you know, the selfie stick. You know, I'll take a selfie. I was People like, wouldn't go to Disney. You can't if have the stick banned in China. They will. They will confiscate the stick if they see it. Well, well I in just... China, you have the selfie stick, but then there's. It's also you can eat with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You get two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the selfie chopsticks. And uh, what I like about this though is that this kid is now like going around telling people he's he's like like when we were kids, we used to have the drug addict come to school and tell us not to do drugs. Yeah. This kid's that, but he's just telling people not to take right. selfies. He's scared straight. That's how like how weak the new generation yeah. is. That they don't even they're not even doing drugs. They're just like they're not doing drugs. They're 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 not do, they're not having sex and they're not doing drugs. They're right. just taking pictures they're of taking themselves. Pictures of themselves not having doing sex stuff drugs. that we used to do without taking yeah. pictures. I'm married with kids. Amazing now, so I'm wrestling. Kinda, I'm happy that people aren't having fun anymore. Fuck them. Yeah. yeah. Now that we're like you want it to win when you're out. Yeah. Now that we're married, or you want it to be yeah. over when you're out. I don't, I don't want, want anybody over. else to have fun. Yeah. yeah. Fun's over. No, you think I'm that a... maybe the Trump effect will get millennials back into having fun? Like the fear that no, we're they're no. Just, it's gotten too millennials serious. are just protesting. I know, yeah. But if they think That's about like, North, yeah. it could be nuclear war and stuff like that. So why not just go have sex? Like instead of going to cut, I'm doing that bit on stage. I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> my whole bit, my new bit, I'm doing on stage is that um, everyone knows the world's ending. So like, when's the end of the world orgy happening? Yeah. It's good to the orgy. Too busy protesting. But instead. Like last weekend, instead and of no go- condoms. Look at all the look at all the millennials that didn't go to Coachella and instead went to the tax march. Wow, <laughs> tax march! That's embarrassing. Like, get out of here. Tax and march are the two most boring words. Oh, I think we talked about going to tax march, but we didn't have the option to go to Coachella. So, all right. So the last sentence I just want to read. This kid has a message to end the pod. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would like to tell other people. He adds, "Do in all caps. Do not risk your life for something stupid. If I would have died, it would have been for a selfie. That's where, that's where our society's at right yeah, now. But it would have been well, a fire he... selfie. Would have gotten at least a hundred likes. Oh my god, <laughs> you a selfie of you dying. He would have got. That's the, a good. Yeah, that, that's you actually. Break, you end selfies then. You just you drop your mic on selfies at that point. Yeah, you've, that's yeah, it. You've it got, surpasses the dick pic. <laughs> oh, that's huge. The death selfie. The death selfie. Love it, the death selfie. That'll be the end of this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, like one person has to die to end this stupid like. Uh, People have died. Era. Really? Take, just, but actually, no. Yeah, a lot of. We were saying it earlier. We need like a famous no, I mean, celebrity to die picture. taking a selfie for it to really. You're right. We actually, see the gruesome picture. We need, I'll see, I know some celebrities, so we'll see I'll you see, the word. see if you can word around. get him to take a selfie while falling into a subway. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's all. <laughs> like if Topher Grace, there you go, died taking that's a the selfie. Level I don't know if he's high enough. That'd be good for his career at this point. I think yeah. the '70s show kid. Let's make that happen. Can we make that happen? <laughs> sure. Right. I yeah, I think I know somebody Topher who knows him. All right. All right, everybody, all right, that's all. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here, man. Andrew, at Ange Gold on Twitter. At Ange Gold on Twitter. Ange, thanks for being on the pod. A-N-G-E-G-O-L-D. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. Welcome back to America. Thank you very much. <laughs> May 24th, last thing, come to uh, Sacramento Punchline. I'll be headlining there. May 23rd, Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley, California. That's all. Cap, what do you got? Get lost. Get lost. Can you feel the beat? You don't need drugs to move your feet When the dealer tries to push on
education each and every day. These are all the things that the maniacs say. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.